0: The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Jean Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com/slash/everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barons is qualitative and quantitative including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engines' Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey
1: everyone, I'm Gene Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. So, I've been waiting for it. And finally, it seems like it's almost here. I am talking about, you guessed it, I'm talking about sweater weather. That's what I call it, the time of year when I can retire my short-sleeved shirts and pull out the turtlenecks and the cardigans. Maybe you, maybe you choose to call it something else. Maybe you call it pumpkin spice season. The Food Network did a roundup of all the pumpkin spice grocery products that you could pick up this year. There were 82 of them. And there's coffee, by the way, of course and all sorts of creamers, but you could pick up pumpkin spice Oreos. Pillsbury has rolled out a can of pumpkin spiced cinnamon rolls, which I gotta say look fairly tempting. Planters has pumpkin spiced almonds, and I am definitely steering clear of the pumpkin spiced cup noodles. Really, it exists. Ramen noodles with pumpkin spice. If you try them, let me know what you think. When we look back in history, we learn that this time of year was originally called harvest season, the time of year when farmers reaped and gathered and stored their crops before the coming winter. In many ways, it was a time of preparation for the coming year. But here's the thing. No matter what you decide you want to call this season, it is still the perfect time to sit down before we get into the depths of the holidays and go through your end of year financial checklist, not only to make sure that you're optimizing your finances for the year, but not unlike the farmers during harvest season that you are preparing for the year ahead. And so to help us all knock those financial items off of our to-do lists, we've got Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow in the house, both wealth planners, of course, with Edelman Financial Engines. Nice to see you guys. Good to see you both
2: too. Good to see you.
1: So we all know at the end of the year, it is usually a really busy time, holidays, travel, time with family and friends. And sometimes because we are so busy, you just blink and and New Year's Day is here. That's why we're doing today's show, I think, a little bit early because taking care of your financial to-do list well ahead of December 31st is is convenient. But it's also important because there are some deadlines that If you miss, you might miss out on money-saving opportunities, particularly when it comes to taxes, right, Andy?
2: Absolutely. So, you know, you talked about the pumpkin spice uh, products, uh, hefty. Actually has a cinnamon pumpkin spiced uh, flavored trash bag. No
1: way. Yeah, it's (laughs) total, total
2: job. So anyway, so when you see these things on the, on the aisles, maybe use that as a memory jog to kind of start going through some things, but it's a good time to really start double checking that your financial house is, is an order here for the rest of the year.
1: All right. So. Let's just start there. What What's the first thing on your checklist?
2: Yeah, so remember, these are in no particular order. Everybody's financial situation is totally different. The point is that by having this checklist, it's easier to make sure that you're going through and and addressing all of these things that are there. The idea is plan your work and work your plan. So number one, first off, maximize your retirement savings plan at work. Remember the big numbers, right? You should be saving as much as you can for as long as you can. So $22,500 is the max for 2023. If you're over age 50, you get another $7,500 catch-up. Um, and remember, this is separate from the employer match money. So you get this triple benefit, right? It's tax-deferred, you get the company match, and then this all compounds tax-free.
3: Great way to start. Isabel, you're up next. What else you got? Well, what if you don't have an employer-sponsored plan mm. or you're self-employed? So if you work for an employer that doesn't have a plan, think about making a an IRA contribution, maybe deductible for you. Or if you're self-employed, think about what we call a solo 401k also known as an individual 401k, or maybe a SEP IRA. So they have different potential contribution limits for you, depending on how much income your company is producing. But overall, it can be a lot higher than what someone could ordinarily put in their 401k. So Andy, you just mentioned the 22.5 and the 7,500 catch-up. Well, SEP IRA or solo 401k actually have a $66,000 contribution limit. So quite a bit higher. Is that because you're contributing for
1: yourself as the employee and for yourself as the employer or they're just different vehicles?
3: Exactly. So in the example of like a solo 401k, for example, you can still make your twenty dollars and your 7500 but you can also make an employer contribution. So you're making an employee and an employer contribution, which is why those limits are a little higher. And is the deadline for this the end of the year? Well, the deadline to establish the accounts is typically going to be December 31st, but you have until your tax filing deadline in the case of a SEP IRA to make those contributions. So be sure before you set up any of these accounts that you're working with your accountant to ensure that you understand what type of an account may work best for you based on the total income and when you need to make those contributions by.
2: Because the uh, the dollar contribution depends on actually how much you're, you're making and what actually is coming in. So when you hear SEP IRA, I would strongly encourage you to work with the CPA, talk with them. I'm in these conversations quite a bit. Um, everybody's situation is totally different. So don't just think these numbers are going to be applicable to you. They're just rough guidelines.
1: And what I think is interesting, I had a SEP IRA, which I was funding for a while, in addition to my 401k, because I had two separate streams of income, one of which was
3: self-employment income. So I was able to do that, which was fantastic. Absolutely. And you're still you still do have limits overall when you combine them. But again, talk to your CPA because you may be able to make some extra contributions here.
1: All right. When it comes to the other items on the list, Andy, flexible spending accounts. A lot of people get confused between these and health savings accounts.
2: All right. So health savings accounts, you remember the numbers. All right. If you're single, your max contribution is $3,850. If you're married, you can put in $7,750. If you're over 55, you get an additional $1,000 contribution. These are separate or different than those flexible spending accounts. Flex spending accounts, you know, you've got child care, dependent care, transportation. We've talked in the past about these ideal end-of-year spending items for the FSAs. Um, it can be as much as nicotine gum, pregnancy tests, dental work, contact lenses, hearing aids, batteries. So, you know, just remember that there's a lot of other stuff that, Doesn't necessarily have an expiration date on it that you can kind of load up on here between now and December 31st to make full use of those flex spending amounts. And remember, too, that typically the expenses that you're being reimbursed for are going to occur in 2023. Some plans offer greater flexibility, so you want to see whether your plan allows you to file for reimbursement for 2023 expenses after January 1st. Every plan's different. Just what we're trying to make you aware of is go back to the plan document, see what's possible because there's a lot of stuff you could be taking advantage of between now and December 31.
1: Isabel, I know, buys Sunblock. I actually head to FSA Store or HSA Store, which are these web stores that actually only have products that are allowed to be purchased through these plans. So if you're looking for something
3: and you're not sure, you can go there.
2: There truly is a website for everything. There is. (laughs) It's amazing what's out there. But
3: hey, I will encourage everyone, good time to stock up on your sunscreen before the end of the year. Contact lenses too, if, if you're looking for that. Isabel, when we
1: are talking about other places that we should be looking for year-end things to do. I know you've got some 529 tips.
3: Yeah, next up, 529s. So if you have a student who is utilizing a 529 plan, um, now is a good time to go ahead and take your withdrawals. So to reimburse yourself for your 529 expenses. So if you're paying out of pocket and you're going to be utilizing the 529 money, now is a good time to do that. You can reimburse yourself for college expenses, tuition, fees books, supplies, equipment, room and board, as long as the students enrolled at least 50% of the time. And if you have a K through K-12 student, uh, you're allowed to deduct up to $10,000 of those qualified expenses as well. Or if you haven't made your contribution, maybe now is a good time to go ahead and make your 529 contribution. Now, keep in mind that these are state sponsored. So you have to look at your state's plan to figure out how much your deduction may be um, if you're participating in a state sponsored plan. So, you know, that's something to think about if if you have grandchildren, think about whether or not now is a good time to set up a plan for them. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have
1: to keep receipts when it comes to those expenses that you're paying yourself back for? I you when do. I when I moved the money out of my 529s to pay for college, I just paid directly to the college, and that was a, a nice and tidy way to do it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I think some people, I mean, it depends on how you're paying it, but some people have it paid directly out of the 529, which certainly makes it a little bit easier. But there are other expenses you may not, it just may be easier for you to have written a check for, a, a you know, some room and board, or maybe books or whatever it was that you purchased, and, you know, you just know you're, you can reimburse yourself for some of those things. I think people are probably taking
1: notes at home, because this is just shaping up to be a nice... A nice checklist of sorts. Okay, Andy, back to you.
2: Uh, So if you have one, the year end is a great time to review your annuity exit strategy.
1: What is that?
2: So if you die with annuities in your estate, uh, the beneficiaries could be taxed at their ordinary income rates for the money that's received. The better option may be to take some distributions post-retirement. Um, and when your tax rate is a little bit lower. We do this all the time with different tax-efficient drawdown reports that we can run for clients. So we can look at pre-required minimum distribution withdrawals. We can look at possible Roth conversions. We can look at where to pull and when from the different accounts. So if you're retired or if you're planning to retire in the near future, I want you to review your annuity exit strategy. And if you are possibly charitably inclined you could consider changing the beneficiary of one or multiple of these annuities to some sort of charitable organization. I've got clients who did this recently, and they made the John Purdue Club a beneficiary of uh, select policies that they have. Um, so it was just a great way. They didn't need the money. They didn't want to jam up their estate with any sorts of uh, kind of different charitable donations after their death. So they just made the John Purdue Club a beneficiary on the policy.
1: Was that Easy. Is that like an easy switch to make? It's yeah, not a lot it's, of, okay.
2: uh, you know, depending upon the annuity. Well, I guess it would, it, it would depend on the annuity company that you use. Right. But it, this is just changing the beneficiary on an existing policy. You're not changing the policy. You're not changing dollar amounts. You're not changing anything else about the functioning uh, of that policy. You're just saying, Hey, if I go, this is who I want to receive the money. So one quick note here, too, depending upon the value of your annuity right now, if it has gone down in value from the time that you purchased it, you may not want to do anything with it and just kind of hold on to it and pass it at death because of any possible potential increase in the death benefit.
1: Great. So much information to take in, hold on to, make some notes if you want to. We're going to take a very quick break, but when we get back, we will go through the rest of our year-end financial to-do list. Stick with us. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner. Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833 752 6333 or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. We are back. I'm here with Isabel Barrow and Andy Smith. They're both wealth planners with Edelman Financial Engines. We're going through our end of the year financial checklist. These are the things that will not only help you end this year on the right financial footing, but make sure that you get off on the right foot next year. And so far, we have talked about maximizing your 401k contributions, setting up a SEP IRA or a solo 401k if you're a business owner. We've talked about using flexible spending account balances, reimbursing yourself for 529 expenses, and reviewing your annuity exit strategy. Isabel, you've got the next item.
3: Yeah, so the next thing would be looking at making any trades or transactions that could potentially lower your 2023 taxes. So what I'm talking about is taking a look at your portfolio and consider selling stocks or funds or investments that have decreased in value um, and are now at a loss. So if you sell a stock or a, a fund at a loss, you may be able to write off some of those losses on your taxes, either as an ordinary income deduction or um, to offset any potential capital gains you have. So what we call this tax loss harvesting. And it's a great thing that, that you know, you want to have as part of your year end strategy on your financial checklist. And at Edelman Financial Engines, it's something that your planner can help you do, something that we look at on a regular basis. We get spreadsheets all the time that will list our clients' potential capital losses that we can go through and think about whether or not they need to take and capitalize on some losses to either offset gains from earlier in the year, or if they're in a really high tax bracket, they may be able to carry some of those losses and offset some ordinary income. It's up to $3,000. Also, thinking about your your medical expenses, that's another potential tax deduction. Now, you can only deduct certain expenses after it exceeds um, your seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income that then becomes deductible. So you may want to consider whether or not you have some big medical expenses that you're going to take at some point. And if you're close to that seven and a half percent number, maybe you accelerate it into this year. You're, you're talking about
1: kind of a bunching strategy, right, or a clumping strategy. whatever people like to
3: call it. Are you seeing more clients do that? Yeah, well, I think once you, if you know that you're going to have big expenses, right? You have, uh, you're getting hearing aids and you're having a major surgery that's, that's optional, right? It's not something that you have to have right now and you're thinking I was going to put it off until February or January, well, maybe you need to think about whether or not it's worthwhile getting that done before December if it's something that is, again, going to help you to get into that category of having it now be a tax deduction for you. So while we're talking
1: about lowering how much you pay in taxes, there are other things that you can do as well,
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You should probably consider whether to, we talked about this earlier, withdraw from your IRA. So, if you're over age 73, you're in this required minimum distribution phase anyway, and that's where the IRS basically wants you to "quote unquote" enjoy your money. Um, there may be some tax revenue involved. Wait, does the,
3: the IRS actually say they want they you to enjoy I saw the your letter money. once. I saw the letter once. <laughs> no. It's like it's
2: time for oh. this was long ago. It's like we'd like you to start enjoying oh, your retirement. Convenient. And So yeah. Uh-huh. So 70, trips. 73 or older, and the age is going to change based on your birth year. So some of you listening may be able to wait until 75, but the idea is, at some particular age, you have to start withdrawing funds from pre-tax or tax-qualified accounts. If you don't. It's bad. It's bad. Um, So the penalty is 25% of the amount that you should have taken out, and that's on top of you just having to take out that amount anyway, plus the taxes and everything else. So it adds up pretty quickly. You don't have to think about that. I mean, the idea is that, you just do it by December 31st and it's not an issue. So that's just RMD stuff, right? The other idea is if you're older than 59 and a half, one of the things that we're doing a lot uh, right now is we're looking at where people are with their current tax brackets. And so there's different ways to start efficiently withdrawing funds from your overall portfolio and possibly even converting funds to Roth. So we're looking at what do you take out from IRAs on a pre-tax basis? What do you pull from joint accounts? Do you need to consider a Roth conversion? It's called a tax-efficient drawdown report. And so your advisor, your planner, should be working on this with you if you're over age 59 and a half. But this is a great time of year to, to start that whole process.
1: And just to get clear on this, I mean, you do this over the course of years Oh yeah, to make sure that people can make these withdrawals in a way that doesn't bump them into the next bracket, right? The A right. higher tax bracket. You you just make them over time before you actually have to make them.
2: So there's a lot of different variables. We can look at the total possible taxes that you're gonna pay over your lifetime. Uh, we look at tax brackets. How much can you pull before you move into that next bracket? Uh, we look at IRMA, right? The The additional amount of money that you're paying on Medicare if you go over different amounts for that. But the idea is you have all of these different types of accounts. What do you pull? Where do you pull it from and when do you do it? This is a great time of year to start those conversations with your planner.
3: Yeah. That being said, you know, there are some clients for whom it may just be a one time thing. You know, you take money out of an IRA once, do a Roth conversion, and then you defer until you're, you know, 73 or 75 because you happen to be in this one year where you've just retired and you have no income and your income tax bracket is very low, but you're about to start Social Security and all that's going to change. So it's very unique, uh, I think, to each person's situation as to how that IRA distribution strategy and Roth conversion strategy could work. We can't talk about the holidays without talking about charitable giving,
1: Isabel. I know this is a, a time of year where a lot of people look at what they're going to give away.
3: Absolutely, a hundred percent. If you know, if you're going to look at this, now is a great time to do it, as it relates to your investment portfolio, your investment strategy. So, you know, key piece of your your financial year end checklist should be thinking about um, your donations and how you're going to make those. So, you can obviously gift money, you can gift cash, you can gift securities, stock, mutual funds, etc. But if you're donating stock or a mutual fund or an investment in general, not only are you getting a tax deduction for making that contribution at whatever the fair market value is at at the point you're making that contribution to your charity. But you may also be able to avoid capital gains if you're gifting something that has a very low cost basis. You know, you bought it for 10 bucks and it's worth 100 bucks. You're gifting it to a charity. You're giving them 100 bucks and nobody has to pay on that $90 of capital gains. So it's a great strategy to think about. Obviously, something you want to do before December 31st, make sure to keep a detailed list of any donations that you've made, whether or not you made them in cash or in stock, you know, keep a spreadsheet on hand. Sometimes people look at a year in which the markets
1: have been volatile or down and think, that takes that option off the table but it really doesn't because you're looking all the way back at when you originally purchased that asset right yeah.
3: yeah absolutely either your advisor can help you with it or if you work you know on your own on your online view or on your statement oftentimes it will show you just a cost basis okay and that's usually an average it's just showing you the average cost basis but you may be able to look at the individual lots you purchased you know if you bought some shares in 1999 and some shares in 20 Twenty-two. Well, they're going to have a different cost basis, and you might be able to gift the old shares that you know you bought for a lot less, and keep the new shares. So it's a matter of looking at your individual lots and selecting the ones that make the most sense to gift.
1: There are gifts to charities, and then there are gifts to kids, grandkids. There are rules there as well.
2: There are rules, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending upon how great your kids and family are. Um, You can (laughs) give up to seventeen thousand dollars a year to any, I'd call it to any social security number, right? Any person without paying a federal gift tax. So if you're married and you've got kids, so you and your spouse could each give $17,000 to the children. Uh, so for a total of $34,000. So if the kids are married, think about it. You and your spouse give seventeen dollars to one kid. You and your spouse give seventeen. dollars Grand to the spouse of your kid, that's 68 grand, right? 17,000 times four. If you go above that limit, it's okay. It just eats into your lifetime exclusion limit. Uh, right now, it's 12.9 million for 2023. Uh, you just have to file an additional form with the IRS. It's a gift tax form, 709. So when you, if you're a couple, if you're filing that joint return, that gift tax form is, that threshold is going to be for anything over that $34,000 to a particular social security number. So. Just keep that in mind. Um, it's a great opportunity, and it's a great time to be able to do that. I would encourage you to maybe have a conversation with your spouse uh, before you do this. Um, I <laughs> yes. would also uh, kind yeah. of have a nice way to let the kids know or anybody, any family member know kind of what's coming, um, because I've seen some situations where it went great, right? Oh, my gosh, mom and dad, you're the best thing in the world. And then I've seen some situations where it kind of creates more problems than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. And we may have talked about this before. I think it's important to telegraph, is this a one-time thing? Is this something that's going to happen every year? I mean, people start to count on receiving this money, plan on receiving this money. And if you're intending to keep doing it, they should. But if not you need to let them know.
2: Family gets real tricky real fast. And so just, you know, talk while everybody's of a sound mind and able body to kind of have the conversations. You get upset, you go away, you come back, you keep talking, but just talk with your family.
1: And from the perspective of the giver, I think it's important to have a conversation with your financial planner, with your advisor before you start doing this to make sure that you're actually okay to do it.
3: Right. And I think that's one of the main key points here um, in thinking about your financial checklist at the end of the year is planning for the future also, right? So it's not just looking backwards and saying, what have we done uh, this past year and what can we do? I mean, that's important, obviously, and there's a lot of things that you can do we've talked about today, but it's also thinking about where you are now and where you're going to be in the future. And that is where you should really be talking with your advisor about all of your wealth planning goals and how all of these things fit together next year and beyond. You know, we talked about these Roth conversion strategies or IRA distribution strategies. These may be things that that are happening over your lifetime. You know, you got to keep track of it and you need someone on your side to help you do it. And a financial planner can work with you to create or update your personal financial plan, help you with retirement planning, tax optimization strategies, insurance issues, estate planning, and really anything related to your overall financial planning, anything with a dollar sign attached to it, right? So if you aren't already working with a financial advisor, consider setting up a no-cost, no-obligation meeting to discuss your financial goals with one of of our financial planners here at Edelman Financial Engines. You know, one of the things that Andy and I and and our colleagues will do is work to create that long-term strategy to help you secure the retirement you deserve including all of these different pieces of the puzzle and life gets complicated taxes get complicated family dynamics are complicated talk to your advisor about all these things we can help
2: yeah and you know there's a lot of you know with where we are in the year right now um, there's a lot of things that are on everybody's plate. Um, but this is the type of thing where you want to go at this, you want to think about this stuff now, because we've talked about a lot of different points. And depending upon where you are in your kind of plan and where you are with cash flow and everything else, some of the things may not just apply to you at all. And then some of the things you've zeroed in and focused on, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I'm going to just blow up my plan. So the idea is get help. If you're working with an advisor, talk with him or her. If you don't have one, we'd be honored to talk with you. The point is talk with somebody, go through these things because it can get Pretty complicated, pretty fast.
1: Yeah. And if you want to reach a planner at Edelman Financial Engines like Andy or Isabel, you can do that by calling 833 Plan EFE. Okay. So we have listed 10 count them, 10 of the big items for your end of year financial checklist. Many of them have drop dead dates, dates by which they absolutely have to be completed. What are some other things though, some good practices that may not be as time sensitive, but you know, as long as you're doing it, you might as well have a look. I
3: think looking at your expected cash flow for the next, let's say 12, 24, 36 months, and making sure that you've got got a sufficient cash reserve. And that also, if you are thinking, I'm going to have a big purchase, like I'm going to be buying a house or buying a car or whatever it may be. I mean, buying a refrigerator and getting a loan for it. Think about your credit report and make sure that everything is correct, that you're, you know, you're making sure that you're getting some debts paid off if you need to. If you're going to be making a big purchase, that can help. So clean up your credit score. And again, just think about sort of that cash reserve need in your cash flow.
2: Uh, estate stuff. It's pretty easy. The uh, it's state
3: not, stuff, he uh, says, estate stuff. says just rolls totally off the tongue.
2: Um, it's not fun to talk about. It's appropriate to think about. But um, we've talked about this before. I talk with clients a lot about this thing I call the Andy's dead letter. So it's not a legal document, but it's a kind of a letter of memorandum that lets the survivors know where everything is, right? These are the bankers. These are the accountants. These are the attorneys. These are the insurance agents. You know, I have a password manager on my laptop at home. So you have this really long string, and that's how Melissa is going to get into all the other stuff. So you have that, and it's kind of a roadmap for the kids or the spouse to kind of unlock everything else. And to that point, a lot of times what we end up doing is we're kind of the clearinghouse for a lot of estate documents, financial documents, across a family's plan. So when the parents go, sometimes the kids have no idea where everything is. So when we, as the planner, have the relationship with the attorney and the accountant and we have the estate documents and the trusts and the tax returns and everything else, then it's one call to us and everything is there. So it's kind of like the, um, the electronic lockbox for everything. So in that Andy's dead letter, it's, Hey, call Andy and everything's going to be there. So you don't have to provide the kids with this huge chunk of data. It's just, here's an envelope. Something bad happens. Open this and then everything else opens from there.
1: I have one of those. I don't call it a gene's dead a, okay. letter. I, I you believe, call it an Andy's dead letter. <laughs> maybe so I, maybe weird. I will. We call it, yeah. I know it's a little strange. We call it a letter of instruction and suggestion because that's what my stepdad used to call it. And he had a lot of suggestions. <laughs> believe me, they were nothing to do with your money, but there were a lot of suggestions. If you are thinking that, that all of these things sound like good suggestions, once again, you can give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call by calling 833 Plan EFE. Andy, Isabel, thank you so much for doing this today. Absolutely. My pleasure. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the holiday season can be hectic. It can be stressful for some people, both mentally and emotionally. We're going to dive into some strategies that can help you deal During the holiday season and to help me do that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Stephen Hayes. He's an emeritus professor of psychology at the University of Nevada, Reno. He is the president of the Institute for Better Health, which is a 45 year old charitable organization dedicated to better mental and behavioral health. He has written 47 books. That is an amazing number and had 700 scientific articles published, Making him one of the most cited psychologists in the world today. Dr. Hayes, Steve, welcome. Thanks for being here.
4: I'm really pleased to be here with you.
1: Why is it that the holidays stress people out? We we tend to think these are happy times or they should be happy times. And yet, uh, I don't think I'm the only one recalling that horrific episode from season two of The Bear where Jamie Lee Curtis had just about everyone on edge.
4: Well, you know, everything gets disrupted. Your schedule gets disrupted. It's the end of the year where you're going to be checking in on, did I keep to that diet, etc. You're probably going to be in with your family members or if you're alone, if people have passed or you're you're often, a lot of people out there don't have family to be with. But when they are, you know, you're going to have to tolerate those political differences or those comparisons that are implicit. How am I doing relative to others? You know, easily, it's, you're kind of waiting for that yet another Christmas uh, sweater that you're going to have to fake that you like, or did you come up with a, a gift for others that is, will be welcome? You know, it's a challenge, I think, to walk through the changes in routine and being thrown together in kind of new and challenging situations that can be perceived as a threat to your sense of self. and. Uh, whether or not you're doing well in your life.
1: There's stress of the everyday sort, and then there is stress that you should be worried about. What's the difference? And what are the symptoms of the worrisome sort of stress?
4: Well, the World Health Organization says it's just a state of worry or mental tension that's caused by challenges and threats. And when it's chronic, it spills over into you know, things like anxiety and irritability can become actually mental health disorders and struggles. Kind of natural sense of uh, your body getting ready for a challenge can settle into something like not being able to eat or sleep or eating too much or pain. Uh, physical health ailments maybe come up your your immune system isn't doing as well so chronic stress shows up as both physically and mentally i'm just not up to these challenges and it comes from you know some ancient systems of when you're under threat mobilizing to deal with it but human beings can construct a situation as threatening just with their minds even if in fact, there's really nothing here to uh, to respond so strongly about. And so I think that's really the difference. It's, is it chronic and does it spill over into things that show up in various aspects of your social and physical health?
1: We have uh, purposefully timed this episode to come a little ahead of the holidays. And so if you are suspecting that the holiday season is going to be stressful for you. How do you ready yourself to deal with it? What sort of mechanisms, coping mechanisms or plans can you put in place to bring down the level of stress of it?
4: Well, you're going to need to work on your mental resilience and a good time to do that is before you get in the situation where those skills are needed, just like working on your physical strength and resilience is something that you work on every day or regularly in the gym, you don't wait until you need those physical skills. You shouldn't mentally either. And there's, it's pretty clear that what you need to do is create a situation in which this situation is not as threatening as my mind allows it to become. How do you create a safer situation? And, you know, the World Health Organization has uh, dived into that and actually came to me years ago when dealing with people who are facing things like war. And we described the processes that are most important. They're not that difficult to learn. And they're being deployed right now by the WHO and the Ukraine and so forth with a self help manual that I helped. Uh, put together, or, or at least find the resources to put together that to, based on my work. And then I think you could summarize it with a simple little acronym, actually. If you're about to go on a holiday, just remember that ON-A. And uh, there's three little words there that I could orient So It's the skills that you need to learn.
1: What is that ON-A?
4: Well, O-N-A, you need to learn to observe what your reactions are without judgment, because judgment can turn a challenge into a threat. And stress as a challenge is something that we can look forward to. It's there when you're exploring, when you're building, when you're creating, when you're doing new things, when you're starting a business. That's stressful, but it's not stressful in a way that leads to uh, chronic stress problems when it's viewed as a threat. So what do you need to observe? You need to observe your body's reactions, the emotions that come up, the thoughts that show up, but with a sense of equanimity, of curiosity. And that's the end part of beginning to note, what am I feeling? Where in my body, what is my mind going? And again, the challenge is to do it without judgment, without a sense of, oh, I can't be like that. There's research showing that just being able to observe and describe and notice your own emotions puts a little bit of healthy distance between yourself and your natural reactions and gives you a more mental flexibility of how do I actually hand, handle this? And then that A label is learning to accept and allow, to open up, to allow those things to be there and then orient you towards what you really want to be doing with that situation and do it more as a kind of a a posture of play than as a wagging finger or as a a must-do kind of thing. If you have a challenging uh, relative, for example, uh, at a holiday, you know, allowing, you're going to have those thoughts, Uncle George is ranting again, or uh, (laughs) you're going to hear a political rant you don't want to listen to, or, oh my goodness. I just can't stand hearing that same story told again about what happened 20 years ago that was so great for this person but is not interesting to us on the fifth telling could we instead kind of allow those thoughts and feelings to come up and do it in a more playful way of how can i relate to this in a way that allows me to accomplish the purposes of what i'm doing and here on the holiday it might be nothing more than Enjoying the experience of once again seeing Uncle George do what he's going to do and finding a way to be with that, that is your best self. Uh, When you slip into this stressful, defensive reaction, you're not going to be your best self. And that's then just only add stress. You're feeling as though you're you're not at your best, you're not doing your best. So uh, observe, note, allow and then focus on what's important, move your feet in that direction.
1: I'm wondering if the same approach works with money. We're a financial show, as I think you know, we, we talk about all sorts of issues relating to finances. And when you look at studies about what people are stressed about, money often ends up at the very top of the list. It, does this approach help us deal with the things in our financial lives that are stressing us out?
4: It sure does. These these processes we've looked to see, you know, what are the sequences that lead you to be able to have a leadership position, to start and run a, a business, to a, to be a high performer. And it turns out the skills that you need, the mental resilience skills that you need, are the same that you need to be able to avoid development of mental health disorders, or to step up to the challenges of physical disease or diet and exercise. So really, prosperity is fed by your mindset and your mindset with regard to money, which is very often symbolic. It isn't just that, you know, I'm actually going to be on poverty row or something. It's that, oh, my goodness, if I don't meet that goal, if those Q4 results are like this, what will it mean? You know, you're actually interfering with your ability to be creative and to give it your all and to wake up ready for that kind of challenge. So these skills we're talking about, if you want a single label for them, they're psychological flexibility skills of being able to be more open cognitively and emotionally, attend flexibly in the present moment consciously, and focus on your values and what you want to accomplish and get your habits organized around that.
1: I think we could it's a all simple
4: formula. It's not that complicated, but it's a life challenge to learn how to do this and do it well in all situations. But you're absolutely right. Money yeah. is just an example.
1: We talk a lot more about mental health today than we have in past decades. What do you think the future of mental health looks like?
4: I think we're going to start focusing more on processes of change because we've sort of run it out about giving label after label after label to type after type after type. And even children now come with four or five things that they have. Often that leads to way too much medication use. Even medications are important, but have to be kept in balance. And I think we, as a culture, just worldwide, There's lots of evidence that things are not getting better, they're getting worse. But that if you can learn these mental resilience skills, you can avoid that. I mentioned the WHO. They have a book called Doing What Matters in Times of Stress that they say is helpful for anything that, stresses you regardless of your situation or circumstance. And they've deployed it with people who've escaped from a war zone, who haven't yet developed a mental health problem. And they've showed that these processes that I'm talking about, these psychological flexibility processes, can reduce the future development of mental health disorders by 50%, which is the first time that that's ever been shown, that a a general approach like that can have such a large effect. So uh, it's time to learn these skills. They're in our wisdom traditions, our best of our spiritual traditions, our clinical traditions, our best art, literature, etc. But they get mm, covered over, I think, by the quick fix kind of mentality that we're often bringing to these problems that are only making our problems worse.
1: Dr. Stephen Hayes, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for, for being with us. I hope you have a not stressful holiday season this year.
4: Same to you, Jean.
1: And that is it for our show. For this week, I'd like to thank Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow for being here. If you need help tackling your year-end financial checklist, you can always reach out to the folks at Edelman Financial Engines. And of course, subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Or visit us at everydaywealth.com. You'll find all of our episodes right there. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll talk soon
0: been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.